David had spent almost 30 years battling the enemies of Israel. Almost a decade of that as Israel's king. And at this point in our Old Testament reading, things are fairly calm. All the civil wars that have been going on, the ark has finally been returned to its home in Jerusalem. Things are quiet. For a man who's been fighting for 30 years, David's first thought is, okay, now what? What do I do with all this time? I don't know what to do if I'm not fighting people. And he looks around and he goes, okay, the ark just came back to Jerusalem. I live in palace. Ark lives in tent. This won't do. So David formulates a plan. And it's a good plan. He has the time to do it. Things are calm. Nothing's going on. He's got time. He's got resources. He's got plenty of money. He's got plenty of people. He even wants to do something that's going to be honoring to God. He wants to do something that's going to enhance the community's worship, to enliven their spiritual lives. He goes to his advisors and says, hey, I want to do this. And they're like, you bet. Green light. All the way. Do it. Everything looked good. And then God goes, nah, nah, your plan isn't my plan. This is not uncommon. Our plans may be perfect, or at least they may look that way. Our intentions may be honoring to God. They may be righteous, and yet God can still choose to do something completely different. It could be that he just flat out, like with David, he just flat out says, no, don't, stop, not this. Or it could be that he just arranges circumstances so that your plan just doesn't work. But either way, he's God, and he chooses, and that's his right. He sees the end from the beginning. He knows more than we do. His mind is way more complex than ours. He understands far more than we do. He has every right to change our plans. The good news is, if God does change our plans, it's not because he's just kind of random. It's not like God goes, that's a good plan, I'll go with it. That's also a good plan, forget it, not going to happen. He's not random, and he's not spiteful. He's not waiting for you to make plans until he can go, I'm going to mess them up just because I want to see the look on his face. It'll be so great to see that disappointment and frustration. Yes, I look forward to that every day of creation. Our frustrated plans are not simply God being a jerk. 
Our frustrated plans are ways that God has something else, something better in mind to accomplish. God told David, you're not going to build the temple, but your son will. And roughly 50 years later, Solomon builds the temple. But even in this, that's only part of what God had in mind. God promised David his son would build a house for him. But if you fast forward about a millennium, Paul says, yes, Solomon built the temple, but Jesus is the son that God had in mind here. The house that God had in mind was not merely the temple. It was not a house built from cedar, but a spiritual house built from people. David intended a physical house for God, but house can mean not just a building, it can also mean a family. And God made plans for a family. And now we are the house of God. We are a spiritual dwelling, joined together and founded on David's son. Solomon's temple is long gone. It's been destroyed. It's been rubble. It's been replaced. And even the replacement is gone. But the house that Jesus is building will last forever. David, in this case, had an explicit plan. This is what I'm going to do. And God frustrated it. But David also had an implicit plan. As king and as soldier, David planned to defend Israel from her enemies. David spent a huge chunk of his life doing just that, fighting battles, defending against foreign kingdoms, putting down civil wars, at times just running for his life. God promised rest from your enemies, and David was not experiencing this. David's plan to defend Israel wasn't always working. But again, if you look at Paul, Paul said, through Christ, God was eventually providing rest from Israel's enemies. It just wasn't through wars and battles and conflict. David saw rest from enemies as their defeat. God saw rest from their enemies as reconciliation. David planned for his enemies to be put to death. That will finally put an end to things. But God planned on putting to death hostility itself. The hostility between the circumcised and the uncircumcised. The enmity between the Jew and the Gentile. That was what was going to be defeated. 
Because once hostility is gone, there's no reason to fight. Well, then there are no enemies. And there is rest. Defeat creates a winner and a loser. Defeat creates survivors and slain. But when God joins Israel and her enemies into one body, the church, the dwelling for God, this is a greater thing. God frustrated David's plans to bring about something better. Of course, sometimes it doesn't matter that it's better. It's my plan, dang it. I want my plan. Having your plans ruined can be really hard to handle sometimes. The lectionary, for whatever reason, in the gospel readings, has a very nice intro and a very nice outro, and there's this giant gap in between. We just skipped over a huge chunk of text. In that text is probably two stories that we're all relatively familiar with. It's the feeding of the 5,000, and it's an instance of Jesus walking on water. Both of them are frustrated plans. The disciples came to Jesus and said to him, Okay, look, you've been teaching people all day. They're tired. Sun's about to go down. You probably need to send them away so they can go feed themselves. And Jesus goes... Nah, I don't like your plan. I got a plan for you. You feed them. And the disciples handled this perfectly. Oh, wait, I'm reading a different Bible. The disciples freak out. What do you mean feed them? We, we got like a happy meal. This is a McDonald's happy meal for 5,000 people. This is not going to work, Jesus. Sending people away was a great plan. They don't have enough to feed them. They know they don't have enough to feed them. If you send them out to get their own food, you avoid things getting too late. You avoid people getting worn out from not feeding themselves. You make them ready to get up the next day and go to work so that they can support themselves. This is a good plan. Send them out to feed themselves. This is a good plan. And Jesus says no. I just have a different one. And the disciples kind of lost it. But they do it anyway, and it turns out amazing because it's God's plan. And then, proving that the disciples are slow learners, Jesus sends them off and says, go get in the boat, go across the water, and uh, I'm going to send them home. Sure, Jesus, now you send them home. And after we're done sending them home, I'll, I'll go meet you on the other side. Now, the plan, I'm sure, in the disciples' minds is, okay, he's going to go get himself a boat, and we're going to meet him on the other side, and everything's going to be fine, and we're going to go do whatever it is we're going to do over there, probably teach more people. That'll be great. Uh, and uh, God had a different plan. <laughs> Jesus did not meet them on the other side. He met them in the middle of the sea. And they handled it perfectly fine again. Or perhaps they just panicked, thinking this can't possibly be, and they freaked out. 
When things happen that you don't plan for, when things happen that are unexpected, it's really easy to get frustrated, to get flustered, to not know how to handle it. I know this in part because I am living it. I had a plan. I planned to spend a couple of years going out to a foreign country and getting a degree so that I could come back someplace and teach and everything seemed to be going perfectly fine. I thought it was a good plan. It seemed like a good plan. I had the resources. I had the time. I asked other people and they said, seems like a good plan. When things got really hard, my wife and I went to all sorts of people who were really discerning and said, did we not get this? Is this not what God wanted? And everybody said, no, this is it. This is, your, this is where God is taking you. Keep going. Great. It was a great plan. And two years ago, that plan came to a grinding halt. God changed that plan, and I don't know why. And i got to admit, a good chunk of the time, I'm acting like the disciples. I'm freaking out, and I'm flustered, and I don't know what's going on. I would prefer, and sometimes on my better days, I can do what Jesus did. Because Jesus was not immune to God changing his plans. In the gospel reading we actually had this week, Jesus said to the disciples, okay, you're tired. Uh, we've been preaching a lot. Uh, let's go someplace totally secluded, and we're going to rest for a while. Disciples think that's a great plan. And off they go to a place that's totally remote, and God changes Jesus' plan. It might be remote. That doesn't mean that there aren't going to be 175,000 people waiting for them. And God says, Here's your new plan. Even Jesus' plans got changed. But Jesus was flexible about it. Jesus didn't freak out. He didn't get frustrated. He said, okay, Father, this is what you're doing now. Let's do it. He surely needed rest. But instead, he stood up. And he taught, and he listened, and he fed them, because this was God's new plan for him. A life with God is a life of humility, knowing that your plans are not going to work out every time. And a life with God is one of flexibility, knowing that you're going to have to shift from first to fifth gear all of the sudden with no warning. We have to learn to let go of our plans, to hold them loosely, because God has something greater in mind sometimes. Sometimes our plans are great. Sometimes he allows us to fulfill them. Sometimes that's exactly what he intended. And sometimes you're going to do something else. It's not always going to make sense. It may even feel like a terrible loss, like you're having to abandon something good. But on our best days, maybe we can imitate Jesus and trust 
that there's going to be something greater, to be okay with things being different, and to believe that ultimately this is for our good. This is for the good of our community. And this is for the good of the God who loves us. In the name of that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you.